Welcome to the Special Needs Travel Podcast, a Lily and Magnolia travel production. I'm your host, Tina Farmer. I'm a mom of two wonderful little boys, one of which is on the autism spectrum. I'm a travel advisor, an IBCCS certified autism travel professional, and an accessible travel advocate. I believe travel is for everyone, and that's why on this podcast, we address ways to make travel accessible and successful for everyone. For more information about what I do and who I serve, head on over to www.lillianmagnoliatravel.com. Hey buddy, what would you rather do? Would you rather go camping, enjoy a room with a fireplace, or sleep on a boat? Um, I would want to go with the fireplace because it's warm. Yeah, and it makes me think of uh, visiting the mountains, right? Yeah. Good morning and welcome to episode 13 of the Special Needs Travel Podcast, Lily and Magnolia Travel Production. I am your host, Dina Farmer, and on this episode, I have the unique pleasure of speaking with Jen Lloyd of Sick Girl Travels on my podcast today. I personally don't have an experience of living with chronic illness, but I've been wanting to learn more about this topic, especially because I might encounter a client um, that has a, a chronic illness, or you might, as a travel agent too, or if you, as a person with a chronic illness, might be interested in traveling, use this is some great information in this episode to talk about traveling with a chronic illness and how um, just communicating with your travel agent can make your travel experience all the more easier. I um, I have a special consideration that I have to think about, which is I travel with pre-diabetes. Um, so sometimes heat at other destinate or certain destinations can be really complicated to work with. And I, I have experience with uh, clients that have been traveling with diabetes and that we always have to take heat and exercise um, maybe not exercise, extraneous activities into consideration so that I or they don't overheat and drop blood sugar really low. So I only have experience with that, so I'm really humbled that Jen said yes to coming onto my episode today. She is full of so much information, and she took the time out of her very busy life to take a few minutes to talk to me, and I'm so, so thankful that she did. So Jen Lloyd was born in New Jersey and graduated with a degree in film from Syracuse University before moving to Los Angeles to pursue a career in comedy writing. She has over 10 years experience writing family comedies, network sitcoms, and video games. My alley, I love video games. <laughs> Jen is also a solo world traveler and has visited such exotic locations as the Great Wall of China, the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa, and the last surviving blockbuster in Anchorage, Alaska. Jen lives with a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, the hypermobility type. This syndrome causes her to frequently dislocate her joints and deal with chronic full body pain. She runs the blog sickgirltravels.com, which offers help to make travel more accessible for people with disabilities and chronic pain. Thus far, she's visited 28 countries, 40 of the United States, and six continents. Jen is also active in dog rescue and having made five trips to Harbin, China in 2019 to save dogs from the dog meat trade and rehome them in Los Angeles. 
Jen's story is so exciting and I really cannot wait to dive into the interview and I will apologize in advance because again, my youngest son might be heard on this episode. He is attached to me at the hip. My family calls him Michael Wallace, so he might, his little voice might show up there, but I, I really can't wait to share. But before we get into that, let's take a few moments to listen to a few words from my sponsors. Thank you so much for listening to the Special Needs Travel Podcast. I am so excited to have Jennifer Lloyd on this episode. Jennifer, thank you for being a guest on the show. Um, I would appreciate it if you take a few moments to introduce yourself before we dive right into the interview. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, Jen Lloyd. I'm a television comedy writer and blogger. And my blog, Sick Girl Travels, offers tips for people traveling the world with chronic illness and disabilities. That is awesome. And we talked a little bit behind the scenes about how I'm kind of a Disney lover and Jennifer revealed that she was a writer for uh, the Disney Channel. Is that right? Yeah, I've done several Uh, Disney Channel shows. Yes. Yes. And I was like, oh, I'm geeking out just a little. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great job. I love it so much. It's been such a joy. Right. And it transfers over like to, like extends to your blogging as well. So it's like a perfect marriage of being able to write for fun and then being able to write for your profession too. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jennifer, um, I found you on Pinterest and, um, I think you, you posted a lot of, um, pens posted, you penned a lot of pens about traveling with a chronic illness. So before we go into the questions, I just wanted you to discuss if you didn't mind, um, what your illness is and how it, um, affects how you can travel. Sure. Uh, I have a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, My particular subtype is hypermobility subtype. So this means I get a lot of joint dislocations. I have chronic pain. Uh, I bruise really easily. If I get a cut, then I have trouble um, healing. Uh, I have also a lot of difficulty regulating my body temperature, which is a big pain while traveling. Um, I get a lot of vertigo and dizziness and all those wonderful autonomic functions that your body usually takes care of without you thinking much about. I have a lot of problems with them. So that's typically what I most look out for when traveling is what are my mobility needs and how can I get around a place or even get to a place in some instances. And then when I'm there, it's a lot of, do I have my little portable fan? Do I have uh, ice packs? Do I have layers? And um, body temperature is a big, big thing for me. Yeah. Oh, uh, So that's, I guess that would make it um, really important about where I, I would really affect your decision about where you're traveling to then as well. It does, you know, I, I've, I've gone every possible, like I've been in Northern China where it's 30 below zero and I've gone to plenty of tropical locations. It's all a lot of preparation for me to make sure that I can get around these places um, and not just, you know, be back in my hotel room curled up in a ball. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, of course. Ah, that's, well, that's really interesting because I, you know, um, my listeners know that I, I specialize in autism travel. So that's another consideration to think about, especially when you're working with a travel agent is like, what kinds of needs does the traveler have that need to be met before they can get to a location, you know? For sure. And yeah. that's been a big frustration for me is a lot of places don't mm-hmm. disclose on their website right away. Like, is this wheelchair accessible? Right. Are there, is there an elevator option? Do you have to take stairs? And they'll gloss right over that. And so a lot of the times I, I really got into travel blogging because I'm looking at other people's blogs, talk about it, because you really get that information through bloggers and through reviews. 
because some, most of the time it's not really evident upfront unless you're going to you know a really huge resort or someplace that's you know super well known. You could have to dig for that info a lot of times. Right, which is really unfortunate because like a big a large excuse me a large portion of our population has some sort of disability or a mobility issue, and it's mm -hmm. like they just need to even have an elevator that goes to the second floor and not just, I don't like oh. that law, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Our place will go, oh, we don't have stairs, but then you show up to the bungalow and there's two steps to get into the bungalow. <laughs> you go, well, you know, I'm a sometimes wheelchair user. It depends right. on how bad my dislocations have been and how bad my pain is. I also have had frequent surgeries. And I, I, I generally don't travel when I'm in that condition, but sometimes, you know, I need to go see family or something. And it's very frustrating to have an Airbnb or just a, you know, camping website or something go, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And then you go, I can't even get into the accommodations. <laughs> There's steps there. Ah, right. Oh, yeah. Especially like if you, if there is two steps, that's really frustrating that they don't even, you know. They don't, that, that and measuring the width of bathroom doors. I've oh. been traveling with people before and they've gone, oh, it's wheelchair accessible. And then right. you go, but my wheelchair doesn't even fit through the bathroom door mm. now. So, oh my gosh, that's so all true. All things to think about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Oh my gosh. And then to even think about it on the level of like having an illness, like how does that work as far as um, being able to travel? Do you, can you only travel for a, a certain block of time or, um, do you have to, you have longer times that you can go? I am limited to under a month in traveling because I have supportive care that I need to be back with my doctors in Los Angeles. So as much as I've really admired people that travel professionally and blog, you know, around the world and, and do that, and I would love if that were my life, I do have to be back around my team of doctors because it is, it's a rare illness. And I have struggled even in Los Angeles, finding a team of people that know my condition and can take care of my needs. So it would become astronomically difficult to, I, you know, I had an injury once in Belize and just even getting my basic ankle injury tended to was a huge production. So I can't imagine trying to explain that I have a rare connective tissue disorder. I can sympathize, like, I can sympathize, of course, I, I don't have a, a chronic illness, but I, I, with this one, that's in the car with me right now, um, I, I had to get progesterone shots when I was pregnant with him, mm -hmm. so I was kind of strapped to my, like, OB's <laughs> office as well, and, like, I could only travel a week at a time because I had to go back every week to get my progesterone shot to make sure that he stayed in and not right. in this world premature, but... I can sympathize. It's not on the same level whatsoever, but no, no, it's, it's, look, it's, it's, we all have, you know, medical needs that need to be tested. Right. It's something that's very hard to do on the road. It's right. I have medications that I'm on that I need to take every day. And if I run out, they're not readily available in every country. So it's, it becomes, I need to plan for these things that just like right. you did, you need to plan for it. That's true. <laughs> that is so true. Oh my gosh. But something definitely like, uh, if you're working with a travel agent and you have a chronic illness, that's something that I feel like a conversation that should be had between the traveler and the travel agent. Like these definitely like, I'm not saying break down the medication list by any means, but just saying like, I can't, you know, travel right. for, sir, you know, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But with that said, there are places that you should be aware of when traveling that uh, it is illegal to bring in certain medications. Oh. Like at a place you might not suspect, 
Japan is very, very, probably the strictest country when it comes really? to in medications. Yeah. And you need to get um, a letter certifying that you're allowed to bring in a lot of medications before. So any sort of shots, injections uh, definitely have to be cleared before. If you are a chronic pain patient like myself, mm -hmm. it is illegal to travel with any sort of controlled substance. Um, even if you ask permission prior, they can arrest and detain you upon entering the country. So that was something I was not aware of the first time I went to Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> and since I dislocate, you know, my jaw, my shoulder and stuff, I do have Vicodin that I travel with right. and was not aware that that is highly illegal in Japan. And luckily nothing happened to me. Um, but I don't know that I would be so keen to go back, even though I love and adore Japan. It is really, really important that you research these things before you go. And, you know, not that you have to divulge your medical history to a travel agent, but if you have a chronic condition. Right bell should go off that, hey, you should probably take a look at what is and isn't allowed when you're traveling to these places. Right, right. Especially if you have a medication that is a controlled substance or, you know. Well, they even ban Sudafed. So you could be arrested for carrying. Yeah. So you oh can't come in with Sudafed. So it's, oh not just, it's not just the big ones that you would think of. Like, right. oh, I can't take Oxygen. Like, yeah, okay, yes. But <laughs> there's also anything that could be considered an amphetamine. So someone's oh. ADHD medication, that's another bit, a big one. So just be very mindful of there are things on these lists that you may not think of as being particularly dangerous or right. you know, controlled. Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll backtrack and say that it might be a good idea to divulge your medications to your <laughs> travel agent just in case. So like, I mean, I didn't know that about Japan at all. So that's, that's, <laughs> that is yeah. like such valuable information. Like, thank you, Jennifer. I had no You're idea. You're so about welcome. That. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, because <laughs> oh sure. you you don't want your whole vacation derailed when you go. Oh, I had no idea because they don't care that you didn't know. Right. It's illegal. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And we just like rolled through that first question I had, which that's amazing. Which was was what was what would be your first consideration when traveling with a chronic illness? And I think. I guess you're definitely medicine. the medication. Yeah. <laughs> medicine is a huge concern because I'm a mess if I don't have my medication. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that's so, that's amazing. Like I had no idea. And I'm like, I'm sitting here like, I do autism travel, but like, I yes. you know, um, my, I, to be transparent, my son doesn't take where he's not medicated right now. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I hope that he isn't in the future, but if it comes to pass that he has to be, that's like something valuable that if he does have to take ADHD medication, like we might not be able to bring it with us to Japan, you know, which I, I didn't know that. <laughs> this, yeah, there's, there's paperwork that you can go through, I think with, mm -hmm. don't, don't quote me on this, but I think that right. you, you can get, um, uh, permission before traveling that you just have to get clearance for it for that. But, um, but yeah, there's hoops to jump through that you right. definitely need to know of. Oh my gosh. So true. So speaking about, um, <laughs> the first thing you need to worry about, I guess the next thing would be definitely like getting to the airport and what kinds of, um, like planning do you need to do as far as getting, I know that TSA is pretty good with like their CARES program and getting medication approved, mm -hmm. but I would love your feedback about how that process works. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I do the TSA pre and if I need um, any kind of assistive care getting through um, with a wheelchair or anything like that, I do 
arranged that before. Um, one of the big things on my website is the airline accessibility desk um, index. So you can go through and find information for every major carrier, what their specific rules and regulations are, um, who you need to contact to set that up if you need any kind of assistance or if you're bringing any sort of oxygen, medications, anything that's um, beyond just some Tylenol in your purse. So <laughs> they, can, they can help you out with that. And I've had a really good experience. I think the airlines by and large have been phenomenal when it comes to that I would caution if you know I know people love to save money and I love to save money too but those budget carriers sometimes the help is not available for you there if you do take like a spirit airlines let's say not to knock them but just know that your in-person care may not be as good as if you were going with a, a larger carrier and that I think uh, that totally makes sense and I'm glad that you've had a really good experience on airlines I think we I've talked about this in an episode but unfortunately they don't have anything like um I wish there was more dedicated care for all kinds of disabilities instead of just like a, a handful of them like you know what I mean no it is it's it's really difficult and my my fiance's brother unfortunately struggles with some mental health issues right and that is an entirely different sort of thing that I think not just the airlines, but a lot of people have trouble mm -hmm. wrapping their heads around and what those needs are. I think, you know, if somebody sees someone walking in with a cane or a wheelchair, we all sort of go, okay, I get that. That's right. a frame of reference that we all sort of understand. Unfortunately, when it spreads out to other things that, you know, you, well, but you look normal. That's right. very yes. hard for people yeah. to go, you know, understand that and, and offer the help sometimes that's needed. Um, which, yeah, it's, it, again, I, I'm going to say like a lot, my, my advice <laughs> over is tons of preparation. Right. <laughs> so you can enjoy it comes down to like, well, I don't think I'm going to need this call, ask the question, make sure you do it up front because I just getting stuck and not having that help that you mm -hmm. need and missing a flight. It just, it snowballs into this whole complex situation of like, great. Now I'm missing days of my vacation right. and this thing. So it's good if you have any inclination that like, well, I don't think the seat's going to work for me. I, or I don't know how I'm going to walk across this entire terminal. Call and make sure that you arrange that help. Right. Because there's no shame in arranging that help. It's there because people need that help. And there's no, you know, even if you don't, even if you arrange it and you don't use it, like as long as you have it in place, I feel like that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely yeah. agree. <laughs> 100%. Okay, so now we've gotten to the airport. Um, we're at our destination now. So what is something um, that you think about or consider, I should say, when looking at hotel accommodations? I know we talked about steps a little bit earlier, but and the bathrooms, but what else on top of those two things would you um, like really need to think about when you're booking an accommodation? Um, you know, with larger hotel chains, if I'm pretty okay. I know what to expect and they're generally, you know, really good about it even in, you know, uh, really remote sort of locations. But with Airbnbs and any kind of glamping situation, boutique hotels, that I have to research really, really well. And that comes down to me reading a ton of reviews before I go to see if anybody else has gone, oh yeah, it says it's accessible, but the bed is actually, you know, four feet off the ground and I can't boost myself up out of my wheelchair to get into bed. Like these are things that I sort of have to look at and the hotel might not think of. Um, for me though, most of the time, since I'm not a regular wheelchair user, my big thing with chronic pain is I look for a good bathtub. <laughs> that is my one thing that I love, love, love with a hotel because after walking for hours and hours, I need to just soak in a tub with Epsom salts and 
that is my must have for hotels, especially if I'm in like a city location where I'm out walking and, and being around all day. It's, it's, yeah, it hurts. It hurts a lot at the end of that day. So it's good to have. That's so, I, that's so funny that you say that. I think we all have our own preferences, you know, like, um, I'm also a big advocate for bathtubs only because my boys love to treat them as pools. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just like, okay, the bigger the bathtub, the better. And that's like a great in my book. And plus like the bar soaps, my oldest son, like I said, has autism and he's obsessed with like yeah. the hotel bar soaps. Like it has to have a bar soap. <laughs> In the hotel. I was like, that's so adorable. And we always take them with us because he's just like, but what if we have guests, mom? Like, you're right. We could use the bar soap. <laughs> and I technically paid for it. So that's so sweet. <laughs> that's Cops, adorable. Yeah. I love there's there's a uh, gosh, what's the name? The lodge at Yosemite. They do great bar soap and they also give you a little rubber ducky. So he might oh, love that. <laughs> oh my, we haven't been up. The, I mean, no, I haven't. I've been up that way. My boys haven't been up that way. So that would be. I'm Yosemite is on our list, like Yellowstone, Yosemite, like all the national parks. We're just like, ah, we got to get there someday. <laughs> national parks are amazing for people with disabilities because right? they they offer a great pass, so you can you know get in for free. Mm. They have great walkways. They're very on top of um, the needs of people with mobility issues. So. I love a good national park. That's always right. <laughs> if there's one near anywhere I'm going, I must stop in. It is yeah see. Yeah, I we have only been to a handful because of my son. Uh, it was you know it was a struggle a little bit in the beginning, but I I'm or my list is growing of all the places we're going to go. It's like next month we're going. Oh my god! Well, at the time of this podcast, it already have happened, but <laughs> we're going to Rocky Mountain National Park um, soon. I'm so excited. We haven't been. We lived in Colorado for almost three years now, and we're just like, all right. I guess it's time to <laughs> finally oh, go. Fantastic time. It's Thank gonna be beautiful. You. Oh yeah. I think especially in September when like the leaves are changing and I was just like, this is perfect. I don't want to go during summer with all the green. I need the yellows and the golds and you yeah. know <laughs> the oranges. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um so this is a uh, then my next question is do you have to take in any considerations as far as your diet goes when you're traveling? Yes. <laughs> um, well, I used to be really allergic to shellfish. Um, oh, okay. I, uh, allergies change as you get older, and I have been through multiple tests that my doctors assure me I am not allergic to shellfish. However, <laughs> having had anaphylactic shock before, oh, no. I'm like, you know what? Shrimp's just not worth it. I have that in my head, and I can't like separate that. I'm just it's been a big no for my whole life that I'm just not like going sweet. Let's have lobster. Uh, <laughs> so, but instead of that, I've now developed a wheat allergy, um, which I'm not, not a gluten allergy. Gluten's just the protein. Um, right. Wheat, I'm allergic to all wheat. So anything with soy sauce, curries, this is the big thing when traveling to Asia. Mm -hmm. um, it is very difficult. And I've tried to, you know, get your translations of what, you're allergic to so you can make these requests it is tricky and i have messed up there and luckily for me the weed allergy doesn't um, result in any sort of respiratory distress or anaphylaxis it's all digestive but if you've ever been you know sick in a beijing squat toilet it is not oh, no. something i recommend <laughs> so, oh, no. yeah so you can <laughs> i have had those runs i am you know grateful that it's not anything respiratory but right. it is comfortable and you do your best to try and avoid it and and do make sure that you have you know whatever you're allergic to translated to where 
whatever language of wherever you're going and it's on a little card so you can forget you can you know share it and make sure it's you know unfortunately accidents happen and sometimes something slips in but um you know do make sure that you at least try to avoid these things because it'll take days out of your trip and be really uncomfortable. Well, that's such a good, that's something again, <laughs> that I, um, I mean, you have more stuff than I thought about. So it's just like, I didn't even think about like getting it translated um, for one. Cause um, I've, I've booked people with gluten intolerance, but I feel like a lot of places that they go to, we've done research in advance to make sure that they could eat because it's, it's I, it is a little bit different than um, having a wheat allergy. So that's, that's really good to know about the translation because that wasn't something that I thought like, oh yeah, this will, they'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. No, well, generally if you're going to like a, a major city, I mean, my problems have been, I, I do a lot of volunteer work in China oh. with rescuing dogs from the dog meat trade. Mm-hmm. So I was going to, I went to rural, like uh, villages outside Harbin, China five times last year. And there's definitely uh very, very few English speaking people around. Right. So, you know, it it's, and it's a cuisine that has a lot of soy sauce included, which has wheat. So I, you know, knowing that was much more diligent about, okay, write down soy sauce, curry, wheat, like these things <laughs> that are a big no, no, no. Because right. unlike, unlike fish, where I just make like a hand gesture of fish, <laughs> they all knew what I was talking about. Wheat is a little harder to explain. So mm. um, yeah, make sure you have the translation. But like, yeah, generally, I mean, going any place in the U.S., um, places are getting really keen to, okay, we need to ask gluten, nut allergies, dairy, anything like that. Like it's getting better here, but you're going to a remote place, do make sure that you have it written out on a card and have it translated to the local language. I love that. That's really great. But yeah, you're right about America that we are getting a lot better because I, I personally have a walnut allergy. So I'm always like, uh, is there any nuts? I just don't want to take any risks with nuts, period. Like just in case. (laughs) Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I also don't have anaphylactic shock, but I definitely break out into hives everywhere. And I mean, if anybody's had hives, you know how horrible that is. So it's like, yep. I just rather not like ruin my vacation suffering with a day of hives and, you know, downing Benadryl. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. then I miss half the day. If yeah. I, if I, everyone says, just take Benadryl. I'm like, and then I'm in a coma because yeah. that, it's so hard. It's like, well, then I'm not doing anything with days over. I know. Like cancel all the tours because I'm going to sleep in my hotel bed for the rest of the yeah. day. Like that's But do also make sure that you pack Benadryl always. Right. That's true. That's true. You never know. Even if you don't have allergies, you never know what you're going to be stung by. Mm-hmm. It's a great emergency medication to have on hand that will serve you well. 100%. Um, so speaking about, uh, well, now that we've talked about food, um, let's talk a little bit about transportation, because I know some people rent cars, some people don't, some people rely on public transportation. So what are some considerations um, for you when traveling as far as transportation goes? Um, well, we kind of went over the airplane stuff. That's that's number one for me is always call that accessibility desk there with my particular disorder it's since I dislocate so frequently and I end up in a lot of pain if I'm not able to get up and move just the the airlines that I've dealt with have been really good about you bumping you up to just that extra economy plus leg room um just so you can have a little bit of room to stretch and pop your joints and whatever I will try to get an aisle seat so I can stand up because Mm -hmm. it is super painful if I feel my like ribs slipping I want to get up and just 
pop it real quick. And those flights to Australia and to Tokyo and Beijing, those are very, very, very long. Like I'm not going to annoy them if I'm going from LA to Chicago. It's like, right. okay, I, I can make that. But you know, when we're getting it at 12 plus hours, I'm going to need some room. <laughs> um, so that that's a little bit difficult for me. Um, as far as when I get to a place, I'm really nervous about driving internationally. I'm not a good international driver, <laughs> uh, especially if it's on the opposite side of the road that I'm used to. And I don't know what that is. It's just a mental block. I know right. it's easy. People will be like, I'm crazy, but <laughs> it makes me really nervous. Um, I'm generally like, you know, I, what I found in going to cities, I love a good hop on, hop off bus tour. Mm -hmm. And they have um, most of their routes in major cities are accessible. So uh, that's always a good thing to have. And you just pay one flat fee. It'll go to most of the attractions that you'd want to see anyway. Um, someplace like New York, I have to be really careful. Uh, it will be a lot of walking or just really expensive taking cabs everywhere. So I kind of, I'm a planner and it sort of annoys a lot of the people that I travel with, but I always say, I'm like, you know, I don't need every second of the trip mapped out, but it's like, I don't want to go to Paris and not see the Eiffel Tower. So if I want to see something i need to arrange a day for me to see that something and not just meander around because it just it's my you know i don't know if you've ever heard spoon theory it's like I, you only have so many spoons and you're giving them away and once you're out you're out and that's my energy so if i'm you know well we'll get to it when we get to it it's like i might not have energy left by then so let's plan this is the most important and then the other stuff that we may get to through the rest of the day so with cities for me that's a big thing if there's going to be walking um, or it's going to be super expensive because we need a cab or a car service all day. It's planning, planning, planning. What's really, really important for me to see and what will just be nice if we get around to. Yes, I can. I totally agree with the spoon theory thing. Like that's, uh, that's something we use with my son's autism is like, all right, I personally as mama only have so much energy that I can give you know, and I, I also don't want to run the risk, especially on the road of him having an autistic meltdown. So I'm just like, right. okay, what's the most important? And if it's only, we only get to two things that day, guess what? The world's still going to move on, <laughs> you know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we can come back later if, you know, it's not a big deal if we don't, we're not able to see everything, which is I, what I always tell myself at least, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes it, you know, sorry, there's just a little update that I hate Apple sometimes. It drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My next question is, do you travel alone? And do you also decide to do group tours or do you do a self-guided tour as far as um, when you're traveling? So I have traveled alone quite a bit. Um, two years ago, I went to Cape Town, South Africa, Istanbul, Turkey, and London all by myself, and then came back, which was huge <laughs> and sort of really scary. And I did, um, especially in Cape Town, t um, go with a lot of guides. I did take, you know, several group tours. Some things, you know, in, uh, in the city, I kind of just went about myself, but anything outside, I really was like, okay, I'm gonna need to hire a guide. I don't wanna be driving alone in an area I'm unfamiliar with or wandering in an area that doesn't have a lot of people around. I am, you know, especially being just a, a girl alone on the street, <laughs> kind of weary of like, okay, I don't know my surroundings that well. I'm new here. I kind of wanna be around people. Um, 
also it's, you know, again, I'm not a great driver in foreign countries. So I, I kind of do rely on, like I went down to Cape Agulhas from Cape Town, which is a bit of a drive. And Cape Agulhas is the southernmost point in Africa. So it's just looking out at where the Atlantic meets the Indian Ocean. And it's gorgeous, but it's, you know, a far drive and something I didn't feel comfortable doing alone. Right. So I hired a guide then. And it's it was super inexpensive then. I've gone to um, China alone as well. Um, and <laughs> communist countries are uh, pretty good when it comes to low crime rates. <laughs> There's <laughs> many other reasons why they're not so great, but right. <laughs> you don't find, you know, you could leave your bike unattended and people generally mm -hmm. leave you alone except to sell you things. So like, I feel really safe there and that I could get around and be fine. And if it's a larger city like Beijing or Shanghai, um, a lot of people speak English. My Chinese is not great. So that's, again, I feel a little bit more comfortable going alone. But if it's, yeah, if it's an area that I'm someplace where I don't speak anything of the language and I'm alone, definitely I'm going to go on a group tour. That's, and so if somebody is traveling with a chronic illness, though, what would you recommend um, one over the other? Or would you say whatever is most, <laughs> they're most comfortable well, with? I, you know, again, it'll come down to what the situation is specifically. Mm -hmm. Like if you're traveling alone and you want to go to, you know, the National Museum in London, like you're going to be fine. It's going to be right. all right. Just make sure you carry a card with you, which you should do anyway, where you live in the U.S. or Canada, or wherever you're listening to this from. Uh -huh. um, just make sure that it has all your conditions spelled out. And again, translate them if necessary. If you're going to a place where the English is not the, the predominant language. Um, and just, yeah, make sure any allergies. So God forbid, if something does happen that you have, you know, your medical bracelet or your medical necklace, whatever it is, and you have on your phone or on an actual piece of car, uh, paper on your person, what your issues are, because they're not going to know. And there are things that are, you know, can be major complications for people with chronic illness that you're, if you can't speak for yourself, you want that information conveyed. And that's a big fear that I have traveling alone is just make sure that that is on you. And I definitely would not recommend anybody just pick up as if, you know, you're perfectly healthy and nothing's wrong and go alone somewhere because people need to know that information somehow. And if you don't have someone with you, make sure it's written down. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine if something, ter like if something bad happened, you know, while you're overseas and and you don't have that information, which oh, is why, sure. sorry, I'm going to plug it. Like it's totally why you need to have travel insurance <laughs> when you're yes. <laughs> 100%, especially now with like the pandemic and stuff. Like I always, I keep telling my clients that like, I, I know that you might be a hundred percent healthy person or regardless of your situation, like insurance is a must. And especially if you have a chronic illness, I would, I would definitely recommend like getting travel insurance. 100 percent it's you know i i've had things occur at how i go well i've never had a problem with that before well you have a problem with it now and you're nowhere near home so right. <laughs> this is what's right. gonna happen yeah yeah like i have um you know i i was telling jennifer that we're a military family um and a lot of my friends and family rely on um, the, the military medical which covers you overseas as well but only a certain amount it's not the same as like getting um I know. Thank you. It's not the same as getting travel insurance. And I'm just like, I know that you have healthcare and I know that it works for you, but if you need to be evacuated yes. or like, you know, something really terrible happens to you, they're going to pay you after the fact, not while you're in country, you know? Yes. 100%. And I think people don't take the time to read that mm -hmm. um, a lot of times when they go, yeah. want to purchase the travel insurance? It's like, nah, whatever. I'll figure <laughs> it out. 
do read that information. It right. could be very, very important. <laughs> yeah. You could be. You never know. Like uh, when I was en route to Turkey to go see my family, I had a ovarian cyst rupture in route and that like if I didn't have travel oh, God. <laughs> so painful. Yeah. <laughs> like I I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have travel insurance and that you know absolutely right absolutely <laughs> and then and this similar to that the first right? time that I was going to Harbin China to volunteer I started getting this pain I was having in the process of getting a dental implant but my dentist had assured me you're fine. We put the bone graft in. It's sealed up. There's nothing, you know, you just come back a week from now when you come back from China and we'll right. finish. But I was like, cool, cool. That's fine. On the middle of the flight to Taiwan, I started getting this pounding headache where I could feel a pulse in my head. And I look right. in and I've got a little white dot on my gums and I go, I have an abscess. Now, luckily, (laughs) and I recommend this to everyone, even if you're not in the middle of a dental procedure, do get some anti-nausea medication for wherever you're traveling abroad and get some emergency antibiotic. And so immediately I was like, it's time to start the antibiotic. I also arranged with my doctor that um, I could do a video call with him if Mm -hmm. anything happened. So Mm -hmm. luckily I was able to talk to him and he goes, yes, yes, that's an abscess. Start the antibiotic immediately. Now, that's not something that I wanted to worry about when I'm in the middle of a rural village (laughs) is finding antibiotics. And I'm sure they're there. It's like, it's just so stressful, but I had it ready. Something happened and I was prepared for that incident. And when I got back, I just saw him, everything was fine. But right. it's, you know, you get that panic of what, what now I need to go to a hospital. Something's wrong. I'm running a fever. This is terrible. And you're like, nope, right. I'm, prepared. I'm good. <laughs> thank, I mean, yeah. Thank goodness. Cause man, like that's, I, that's this, I think that's one of the scariest things about traveling is like, we can be as healthy as like, you know, the moon, but then something can happen while you're traveling, you know, mm-hmm. like for example, um, that's something else that happened in Turkey. My son got, um, roseola, my youngest one got roseola and I was like, Oh my God, we don't have, like, I, we have travel insurance, but like, I don't know where a pediatrician is at. And I'm just like freaking out. But thankfully, like, um, the, the insurance covered it for us so that we could see it. And it wasn't like a huge amount of money to go see the doctor and him's like, yeah, he's got roseola, nothing you can do. Have a nice day. And I was like, uh, okay, well, yeah. okay. At least, I, you know, at least the insurance covered like that. It, we were able to go see somebody and confirm that, yeah, he has roseola and he just, it's just like, it's a huge relief because you mm-hmm. don't want to spend your time there worrying about it. So thank goodness you had that and you can right. go and just get the peace of mind to go, okay, that's all it is. You're going to be okay. Yeah. Like not the end of the world for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we touched a little bit on this, but what considerations um, do you as a traveler need to make a travel agent or like need to be aware of um, when you're traveling with a chronic illness? Um, you know, I, for me, again, what we talked about up top is that making sure that my medications are allowed, that there's no um, laws that I might be not in compliance with. Um, Also, you know, preparation, just finding out as much as you can about the location you're going to before you get there. And I know a lot of people that's that's a bummer because you just want to go and explore and be surprised. But it's to me, just having that peace of mind of knowing what I'm going to expect really takes a lot of anxiety and pressure off the situation. Um, yeah, just that, that preparedness. So learning everything I can before I go is hugely important to me. 
So what is one tip that you would share to motivate somebody to travel with a chronic illness? I would say start small. Like I did not start by jetting off alone to Cape Town, South Africa. So to me, it was, you know, take that solo trip from, you know, an hour away from wherever you are in an area that maybe you haven't been to before and just see, you know, plan a little walk around San Francisco, or if you're in New Jersey, go to Philly, or if you're, you know, wherever, just someplace that's, that's close to you and get those baby steps that you go, okay, I can do it. I've, you know, gotten out and seen some things, had some fun, and you can sort of get motivated to do it a little further and further away each time. I mean, when I started off, I had a terrible fear of flying and hated doing it and couldn't get in a plane alone at all. So it's been a huge progress to me to be able to just build up to these things. And you sort of learn from small trips what your problem areas are going to be and you go oh, okay now I've learned this that's something to look for on a bigger trip so you know and you're close to home in case god forbid anything happens you can go back and get the help you need and you're not far away your family's nearby your friends are nearby it's going to be okay um, but yeah just building up that confidence because it, it's once you get into that comfort zone of doing it it becomes second nature and you can't wait to do it again right and it makes it a little bit um, it makes it a little bit less scary to for to sure, for sure. Too. Right. Yeah. It's like when maybe, yeah, like a lo- maybe even a local trip, like, like you said, within the, like the state that you're in or like the state next door or something just to make exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And then you're close to your, I mean, if you have a medical team or like you have some kind of, um, I don't know, like you need, you're attached to certain kind of medications and it would make it like a little bit less, um, what am I looking for? A little bit less overwhelming. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah no, because I think if, if some of the things that, you know, happened to me early on, mm-hmm. on just, you know, me from LA to Vegas and, and going, oh, no, I, I forgot, you know, something I need at home. Now what do I do? It's like those things became less overwhelming once right. I, I solved it on the, the micro level <laughs> to be able to go, okay, well, now I'm alone and I'm in a different continent. So, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So true. So true. Um, so this is my last question before we dive right in. Oh, actually, we are done. So oh, <laughs> we're going to go to the quick fire questions. But um, I just wanted to leave this space for you, Jennifer, to um, let me let my listeners know where they can find you. And if they might have any questions, if you're okay answering them, if they have a chronic illness, and they're deciding to get out on the road. So I will let you take it away. Yeah, sure. My, my website is sickgirltravels.com and feel free to reach out to me there. You can email me. I get back to everybody. I love hearing from other travelers or those that want to travel. So yeah, please check it out. Feel free to drop me a message. Awesome. And I will leave all um, Jennifer's um, social media and her um, website in the show notes. So let's go right into the quick fire questions and you can take as little <laughs> or as much time as you want answering them. Um, but the very first question is, what is your favorite country that you've visited thus far? South Africa. I love oh. it. It's so net, full of natural beauty, just absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. It's, it's I yeah, can't speak enough good things about the Western Cape. I love Cape Town and the Western Cape of South Africa. I need to go there someday. Someday. It's on my list. <laughs> penguins. Going. You have to see penguins on a warm beach. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> that sounds awesome. I definitely, I want to do that for sure. It's really cool. Um, so what has been your least favorite country that you've visited? Oh, You're going to hate me. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Turkey, but uh, not for the reasons that you think. So right. <laughs> while I, I was stopping there as part of my bigger trip when I went to South Africa and I was stopping in Turkey and then going on to London, uh, unfortunately, 
in the middle of my flight from Cape Town to Istanbul, our president decided to get into a pissing match with Erdogan. Uh. And Erdogan stopped all American tourist visas, so I wasn't allowed out of the Ataturk airport, which was super disappointing uh, and not a great 12 hours to spend mm. just wandering the airport and uh, not a great airport. But apparently Turkey agreed with me because they closed it down last yeah. week. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but one day I will get back because it, it looked gorgeous from the skyline when right. I could see. <laughs> I do uh, want to explore, yeah. I hope that you can, because, uh, I mean, Art Choker is not, I don't even think it's open anymore. Or maybe it is, but I don't know. I didn't fly into there. I flew into the new Istanbul airport, and my gosh, that's like the biggest airport I've ever been in. <laughs> it took like 30 minutes for me to walk from my flight to the front doors. I was like, this oh, wow. ridiculous. Like, why is it so big? <laughs> I just really wanted to see the city. It looks so yeah. pretty from everything I've seen. But one day, one day I'll get one back. One day. <laughs> but there's, I know there's been some changes. That I know like um, Hagia Sophia went back. Um, so it's no longer Christian church anymore. Now it's a Muslim mosque. So, so there's a change there in that you might, you'll probably have to cover your hair when you go to see Hagia Sophia. But like, that's not, I mean, it's not. That's ooh. fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a big deal. That's fine. Yeah. But it's, I, uh, God, what a beautiful country. Like, I'm, I'm biased totally, but <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed it, especially because I, I hadn't been there in such a long, long time. So going yeah. and I was just like, uh, I would, if I, felt like being an expat somewhere maybe i would <laughs> maybe yeah. i would consider turkey <laughs> this question is really hard i mean i just like thought about where did i have a not great experience right and it was no it was no fault nowhere of anyone but, there yeah. but it's you know our, our president's fault but yeah um <laughs> there's i i've not i've been i've been now to almost 30 30 mm -hmm. countries and i've not been anywhere where i thought oh this is a bad place i don't want to ever come right. back to. like I really love exploring different cultures and seeing how other people live. And I'm really open to new experiences. So yeah. to me, there's not been anywhere where I'm like, oh, get me out of here. This is like, <laughs> not good. <laughs> I love this question because I feel like every time I've asked anybody this question, everybody generally says the same thing. Like I've been somewhere. It's, I may have had a bad experience, but it's not something that I'd be like, I'm never going back there again or I hated it. You know, yeah. so, like this is, I love hearing that because it's, it's like, I wonder what somebody's going to say. And it always generally seems to be kind of on the, <laughs> the same lines. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm glad. Because I don't like, you know, I don't like running into other travelers that, and I've definitely seen them on tour groups that go like, and eh, this place is filthy. Why are there so many uh, that complain? Right. And I go, it's not home. You came here because it's not home. Mm -hmm. And either you open yourself up to this experience or you're going to have a miserable time. And that's right. all in just your perspective of it. So either, you know, you're open and wanting to try new things and, you know, be excited by it or you're a bump on a log and you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> true. It's true. Oh my gosh. Thank, that's so incredible. It's such a nice perfect, uh, perspective, Jennifer. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, so the next question is, what country has been the most accommodating as far as your um, chronic illness goes? I highly recommend mm -hmm. Australia. I loved Sydney is fantastic and it's one of the easiest places I think for an American with disabilities or chronic illness to travel to. It's super accessible. It's beautiful. There's no language barrier and there's really great medical care should you need it. So I, I get highly, highly recommend Australia. Ooh, okay. I'm going to add that like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to my 
It's on most of the, yeah, I think most people that make like the most disability friendly or chronic illness friendly travel destinations, mm -hmm. Australia tends to be on almost everybody's list. It's a great place to start off. But That's if you're awesome. willing to do that first long trip, it's the flight right. that will get you. So save up those miles, bump yourself <laughs> first class if you can. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I waited a long, long time until I could go to, I was like, this is the longest flight I'm going to do. I'll save those miles so I can bump myself up to a, you know, business right. and, and, and relax a little. Because that, that was the hardest part. Once you're there, it's good. Right. It's just the long, I don't know. And it depends on where you're flying to in America or Canada. Like that is probably the long, like a super long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like long. we were like stationed in Hawaii and I kept thinking about going to Australia because it was only 10 hours, like only 10 hours. Oh, no, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, we should go, we should go. And then oh, we didn't, we didn't do it. We went to Japan instead, but just not like, I mean, Japan's still amazing in its own right, but. It's like, fantastic, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, ah, later, later. It'll yeah. still be there. Australia's not going anywhere, so. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, so what is one place in the world that is on your bucket list? I have so many, but oh. I've been through six continents so far, so I have to mm -hmm. say Antarctica just so I can complete it. Ah. <laughs> and I have a massive love of penguins, so I would just really <laughs> like to see them in the cold. <laughs> um, but fun. yeah, I've had a few friends that have gone. It is ridiculously expensive and mm. sort of scary to be really away from a lot of medical care. Right. Um, but there are, you know, cruises that you can take out from mm -hmm. um, Chile or, or um, Argentina that aren't, you know, really putting you out that long in the water. So I, you know, I think I'd, I'd look for something that's, you know, a few days and, and one, I definitely, definitely want to see it. Yeah. I guess the only thing I would say is, uh, it, just make sure you bring Dramamine with you. Yeah. I mean, you very I'm, really good. I'm really good in water. My fiance gets terribly seasick. Oh, no. We've done a lot of whale watching excursions and mm. I'm, you know, <laughs> outside and just bumping up and down and having a great time. And he's curled up and barfing in a bag. And it's oh, just, no. <laughs> so I will say I've been very, very blessed that way. Yeah. <laughs> if I have one thing going for me, yeah, I don't get seasick easily. No. <laughs> Well, that's good to know. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, I, I keep looking at it. I'm just like, I get seasick and motion sick really easily. So I'm just like, oh, those uh, yeah. waters are super choppy, but it could be worth it for like a once in a lifetime experience. That's, that's the thing. I'm like, it's a once in a lifetime, mm -hmm. you know, how many people get to say that they've seen that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, my son does really great on ships, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too, but I think they have to be older. I think they have to be over 10. Yeah, like, pretty sure. Uh, yeah. I think I have to double check. I know there's some tours that I've been looking into lately that I'm like, I oh, can't do that. He's not old enough yet. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. He'll get there eventually. Um, so my final question for you, Jennifer, is what kind of vacation do you prefer? And I'm talking about like a beach vacation or a road trip or an international vacation or a cruise. <laughs> I like I said I love international trips just because I, I like exploring different cultures and I've made so many friends around the world which mm -hmm. is a fantastic thing to go oh let me just call my friend in China or oh. like, you know because <laughs> I just I, I collect you know build friendships that are just some of the most amazing people that I've, I've met I met while traveling right um, but selfishly my favorite kind of trip <laughs> is a beach vacation because my joints are 
on fire constantly. They hurt so bad. And I love, love snorkeling Mm -hmm. because it's just the most peaceful, relaxing activity, takes the pressure off my joints and I can feel completely relaxed. Um, That is something, however, that I will recommend, not just people with uh, uh, chronic illness or disabilities, don't do it alone. Everyone, nobody should do it alone. (laughs) Make sure you have somebody because even though it's peaceful and relaxing, you you don't want to get pulled under or have something happen and be by yourself. So definitely have a buddy when you do that. But I love a good beach vacation just for that because it just, it feels so good and it's a great way for me Mm -hmm. to just recharge. And and yeah, I'm really... I'm the type of person who likes to see as many things as possible. So it's right. hard for me to surrender to a beach vacation, but um, you know, I've, I've gone plenty of places. Like I love Roatan, Honduras was just gorgeous for that. And very, you know, cool. You get a little experience a different culture and lay on a beach and have a good time. Yeah. So I was all about that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, a lot of people don't think about beach vacations or they think like, Oh, it's boring. There's nothing to do. It's like, but it can be so rewarding and we're la- I mean, like calming to like mm-hmm. actually go on vacation and like take yeah. a break, like not be like, boom, 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 I got to go see all these things. Like just being able to relax into absolutely nothing, you know? It's, it's important and it's mm-hmm. really important, especially with me and, you know, chronic pain is like, right. I have to go. I know my brain wants to do all these things. My body does not. Right. <laughs> my body is going, nah, let's just yeah. sit on the beach. Right. And so it's, it, you know, you got to strike a balance. And I, I, I try to do that and break things up where it's not always just, oh, I have some time off. Let me go someplace so where I can punish my body as hard as possible and walk <laughs> constantly. Yeah. So yeah, the beach is there for you. The beach loves you. Go it to does. the beach. <laughs> I, I mean, like you just said that something so beautifully about like how it's, like snorkeling is so great for your body and like, like takes all the pressure off. And I feel like people, um, especially with disabilities or even um, like my son, you know, he has autism and I don't know exactly what sensory needs are being met in the water, but there's something in there that he's drawn to the water and he yeah. just instantly comes down from his like overload when we're near the beach. And I'm like, I just, it's great. It's and great. There's actually um, on my site, and I can't remember the name of the the tour group, but there's on the big island of Hawaii, and mm-hmm. you may know because you're the Hawaii expert. But, <laughs> Thank but you. There's, there's a great, great group that does um, snorkeling adventures and ah, yep. for people with disabilities. And it's amazing because they've put together all, and, and people with sensory issues, and they've put together all different types of rigs. So even if you're a quadriplegic, mm-hmm. they found a way to get you in the water and have that experience that, you know, that everyone else is having and it's really amazing because I don't think I've seen a lot of places like this that are so so accommodating right um but yeah above and beyond and I just can't recommend them enough I wish I could think of the name off the top of my head but if you're going to the big island near Kona it's the, a great great group and they are the only ones there that do it so uh definitely if you have anyone that has special needs check it out because they're great that's, I will look them up or after this, if you find them, yeah. let me know. And I will add that to the show notes for sure. Cause that, that's like really great information. Even if you're not booking with a travel agent, like just helping a tour company out period is like uh, an amazing thing. And I'm all for supporting the the travel industry as a whole. I'm like going to hoard all this information, you know? So yeah, for sure. I will definitely look that up or if you find it um, before the show go- airs. Yeah. I'll- it's in my last uh, blog post about Hawaii. So I'll look it okay. up and I'll, I'll share it with you. Awesome. Well, thanks Jennifer. This has been like so uh, informative for me. There's been a lot of stuff that you've talked about that I 
Um, I didn't know. So this is, and I'm sure like if other travel agents are listening, it definitely is going to benefit them from working with their clients and anybody that's traveling with a chronic illness will find, I hope they'll find this <laughs> information really so helpful. Too. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much. I'm not going to take up any more of your time today and uh, check out Jennifer's show. If you want to plug that, I know it's on Nickelodeon coming soon. We don't have to say the name, but I know she's writing for <laughs> a pretty awesome show um, coming to Nickelodeon and you'll find I'm sure you'll see her name in the <laughs> the credits. So thank you so much, Jennifer. It has been awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening and tune in to the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review and I will see you real soon. Thanks for listening to the Special Needs Travel Podcast, a Lily and Magnolia Travel production. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave a review. Travel is for everyone, no matter their ability. If you have any questions or you want to continue the conversation, I'm available on email at dina at lillianmagnoliatravel.com or you can reach my sponsor, www.travmarketmedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And as always, I will see you real soon.